everyone. We're Kayla. And I'm Silas. And this is The Adventures of Kayla and Silas, a podcast about everything travel. Each week we cover travel topics we find interesting and that we hope you will too. We yep. are back home. We are home. We're sitting in our kitchen living room space. It's kind of open concept. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say we're sitting in the dining area. We're sitting of a big room. We're sitting in our house, and yes, we, are. we are. We were just talking about our trip, so we said let's turn on the mics and record this because it's going to be awesome. Zappity, as, as Silas would say, as, as Michael Scott would say. But before we jump into the whole trip, uh, the whole second half of our trip, the part that took place in Amsterdam, um, we have a few housekeeping things. First of all, if you missed it, the first half of our trip was split into two podcasts. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to those yet, go ahead and check them out at adventuresofkaylaandsilas.com or on soundcloud.com slash Kayla and Silas. Yeah. That, that we, part was we were in the United Kingdom. We were in Wales and southern England for a bit. Yep. So Southwest England. And we had a lot of... Uh, Cool adventures there, lots of stories, and that that podcast got split into two. We want to make sure we got a uh, podcast out in time the uh, week that we were still traveling, and so as we were trying to record it and get it out in time, we ran out of time to do the whole thing, so we just split it into a little bit easier, a little more manageable that way. That's Silas's way of saying that he wanted to go hang out in Amsterdam instead of sitting in the hotel room editing, so... We ran out of time. Yeah. Next bit That's of... That's why there's two podcasts about the, the UK. <laughs> the next bit of, of housekeeping is we are on iTunes. Yay! Uh, we, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but in case you hadn't heard yet, we are on iTunes, and if you'd like to keep up to date with our podcast, feel free to head over there and subscribe to our um, podcast channel on iTunes. I'm, I'm still is new it called to the a lingo. Channel? It's not a channel. Just That's a YouTube thing. You can subscribe to our podcast. I think that's how you say it. You can subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a comment because we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. But now on to the juicy stuff. Amsterdam. Yes, indeed. Where we left off in the last podcast was we spent the night in Bristol. And we really didn't do a whole lot there. We had some Italian food. And we were then we went to bed. Tired. We were super sleepy. And we stayed at a hotel by the train station so that it would be, because that's where the bus to the airport is. Super easy to get to the airport from the hotel because we were literally a two and a half minute walk from our hotel to the bus. And the bus dropped us off at the very front door of the Bristol airport. So Yeah, the airport in Bristol is fairly small, I think, and or at least from what I could tell. and Very manageable. Yeah, but the area on the train station wasn't necessarily... It's not, it's not the center of town. It's, it's, yeah, so it wasn't like there was a lot around. So there was an Italian place we ate there and then got some R&R so we could get to, to Amsterdam the next day. Yep. So we got to the airport. We, there were no problems. We flew over to Amsterdam, took a taxi from the airport to our hotel. We had looked at a couple of different options but where our hotel was in relationship to the airport, it was actually faster for us to take well, a taxi straight there because if we had taken a bus to Central Station and then tried to get 
tram tickets from Central Station to our hotel. The hotel was directly between the airport and Central Station. So we, we said it was we, closer to the airport than Central Station. Is yes. that what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, and I think we paid 30 euro, give or take, for the taxi, but it would have cost us. Let's see. It was like five bucks for the tr- for the train to Central Station, and then another three. Well, not bucks, three euro. There you go. Uh, so eight euro per person to take the train to Central Station, and then a tram back out to our hotel. So it was it was, a, it was about twice as expensive to take the taxi, but it it was, was about also twice. five times as fast. Oh yeah, five though. times as fast. Yeah. So we at in at the end of the day, it seemed worth it. Um, we Ubered back though, which was nice because that was a little less expensive. A little less expensive to Uber, so. Yes, very, very convenient, very easy, very quick to get to our hotel. Yeah. And then the rest of the day ended up being a work day. Kayla joked about me not wanting to <laughs> wanting to see Amsterdam. But really, we, we got to the hotel, we recorded the podcast, then we went out and we went shopping, uh, got a few things, some snacks and things for our time in Amsterdam. And breakfast food. And breakfast foods food, and yeah. things. And then I went back and I edited as much as I could before. I was exhausted and said we need dinner, and um, then we went and got some dinner, and that was the rest of our day. It was very, very low key. Uh, we went back, maybe watched some episodes of Full House, and then went to bed. Yeah, we didn't really do much that first day, but half. I mean, we didn't probably get to our hotel until one in the afternoon, yeah. so it's not like it was a full day anyway, but. We you got to try though your your favorite. But yes, this is where the story starts to get interesting. Dinner the first night, we sat down at dinner and Kayla said we have to try bitterballen. Which in case you didn't know, it is a deep fat fried roux that is amazing. It I think is, Silas liked it more than I did, but it was delicious. I I'd have bitterballen every week if I could. I wouldn't do it every day. Just because I don't need my love handles to get any larger than they already are. But they were delicious. So we had bitter balling and then the next day we woke up and we said we're gonna try and get a jump on the day. And so we woke up at, you know, the early time of about eleven thirty, I think. Eleven forty five. Did we get up before noon? I think we got up before noon, but we didn't leave the hotel until afternoon. It was a, it was a rough start to day two in Amsterdam. <laughs> but we got out and we walked through Vondel Park. That was really a cool, it was really, a, it was a big park and it was really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, I think it's essentially Amsterdam's version of Central Park in New York. That's, it's yeah, like it right in the middle like. of town. It's got lots of different things going on. There's a stream that runs through it. There are little ponds that are there. People are walking their dogs, riding bikes. There's like a jogging, a, a water fountain, like for kids to play in, like a watery area. A little kids' water park, kiddie yeah. pool and playground and sports. There was a restaurant court. there, and yeah, restaurants and people were taking naps, reading books, hanging yeah, out with there, friends. There are a lot of people just essentially pick what I would call picnicking. Yeah, but well, this was a Thursday midday to I mean it wasn't as busy as the busiest day of the week I'm sure I'm sure weekends are much busier there but it was very busy for a Thursday early Thursday afternoon so uh that was that was really we and we walked through that park several other days on our trip yeah our hotel was right there which was nice because I don't know that we would have spent as much time in the park 
if we hadn't been staying where oh, we right. were. Oh, right. Yep. No, getting out there would have been... We uh, probably would have walked into it a little bit and then like been like, oh, that was a nice park and then walked away. But we got right. to see the whole thing. Because but that, yeah, we that were. first day we walked clear. We, we, we walked the whole length. Yeah. We walked down to the, the far end of it and then walked through to So we kind of backtracked a little bit before we headed to the canal district. The first touristy stop that we did that morning, though, was to the Heineken Museum. That well, afternoon. That afternoon, yes. <laughs> we weren't going to, to the Heineken Museum in the morning. We were very, we very were close. In the we, were, we were on the cusp, though. Uh, so we got in, and it was a well-put-together museum. We had done the Guinness factory in Dublin just about a year ago, and mm-hmm. so it was fun to com- compare and contrast the two museums and the way that they were set up. I, we both agreed that the Guinness factory was more in-depth. Yeah, I mean, from the museum side of things. Right. I would say Guinness wins from the beer taste side of things. I would say that Heineken wins just because I don't like Guinness at all. But I would say they both are are delicious beers and it was fun to to get to sample them right there. Mm-hmm. But no, the Heineken Museum had a lot of interesting things that I didn't know about Heineken. The fact that it was entered into the World Fair Mm-hmm. As Netherlands entry into the World Fair, they said we're going to enter this yeah. beer the same year that France. Well, it was in France, and France had entered the Eiffel Tower. Kayla's going to look up what year that was, but Amsterdam Heineken beer took first place and got the gold star over the Eiffel Tower. So that was the first thing that they said as soon as we walked in. That oh, here's uh, here's some information about Heineken. It's better than the Eiffel Tower. And then they went in and told the story about it. But um, I I felt like they were a little too excited about that. But you know, I can't find it. I'm sure that with more time, if I we, would have. If we come up with the answer, we'll put it in the show notes, and you can you can check out a, a Wikipedia link or something to. Learn all about it. Because I the, thought it was your 1900, but this says the Eiffel Tower was 1889. That could be the right year. That could have been it, I suppose. We'll have to check the fact books on we'll, this one. We'll go back to the fact books. It was the guy at Heineken who told us if we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so we we ended the tour with their rooftop bar, which was a lot of fun. We, we say we ended the tour. There was more after that, but it was very, it was very silly. I think they'd put together a few games and a few places where you can take funny pictures and things for people after they had had a couple of the, the included beverages that you got at the rooftop bar. Mm-hmm. So you could go through and take silly pictures and things, but yeah, it was uh, the end of the tour for us. We were ready to move on to the next thing. And as we went through the silly parts, we were like, we we're not feeling that silly. So <laughs> I'm never feeling silly. Kayla never feels silly just for the record. But so we, we kind of hurried through that section and then we moved on to walk across town to try and get to a boat tour. We stopped for food and we just got a meat and cheese platter at that restaurant near oh. where, the, where the boat tour was. Yeah. So the way Amsterdam's set up, it's like there's basically three rings of ca- three major rings of canals. Set up in a horseshoe pattern. Yeah, it's kind of set up in a horseshoe. So we were outside of the horseshoe where we stayed for our hotel and we walked through the park, which kind of ends at the beginning of the first horseshoe, and Heineken's along that outer ring. And so then we were walking all the way up to the center of the horseshoe, basically, is where we had a ticket already, basically, for this uh, yep, canal we- tour boat. And so 
despite there being a canal tour boat literally across the street from Heineken, we oh, walked yeah. all the way downtown <laughs> instead. Um, for the thing we'd already paid for. And yeah. I think we should, before we get too far, we should say... We should talk about that. Yeah, go ahead and, and tell them about the past book that we got. Yeah, so in Amsterdam, well, and this is true in other cities too, so you should always kind of look into this. We knew we wanted to go to a lot of museums because, you know, kind of in preparation for Amsterdam, we said, oh, we want to go to Anne Frank House, we want to go to Heineken, we want to go to Rijksmuseum, we want to go to Van Gogh. So we had all these things in our head, like, we want to 100% do these things without a doubt. Well... Those things tend to be expensive when you start doing all of them. Yeah, so most of those things cost at least 10, if not 20 euro per person to get in, and... You know, it's like, how do you not spend that extra money when you're already there? Right. So there's basically two major groups in Amsterdam that provide discounts for tourist attractions. And the first is called Holland Pass. And so as the name suggests, it's not just Amsterdam specific. It's for the whole country. Basically, you buy a pass and you get so many tickets. So there's gold tickets and silver tickets. And so the more expensive attractions like Heineken and Van Gogh cost a gold ticket. And then less expensive attractions like the Canal Tour cost a silver ticket. And so we bought a pack of tickets each. So I think it was, we got six tickets, three gold, three silver for, I want to say 60 euro, but I could be off a little bit. Yeah, I thought it was 60 or 70 euro. So what it, essentially what it meant was if we paid for the first three big museums that we we're already going to go to, that then we'd get three more tickets for kind of the lesser museums, I guess, for free. Again, I'm rounding numbers wise, but it benefited us in the end money wise. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the boat tour was something that we would not have I don't, yeah, to I do don't, on our own. We I don't both think said we that. would have done but that. But I, I think that it was a lot of fun. So after lunch, we went and we did this boat tour with one of the silver tickets. And yeah. the tour guide was, he was this goofy guy. I think luckily he wasn't the only source of information because they also had headsets that yeah. played audio clips as we passed things. And so the, I actually learned a lot from those little audio clips mm-hmm. and Kayla did a great job taking a nap on the boat. Well, I just napped in between the parts where the audio guide had yes, information. That's, that's what she said, but I don't know that she caught everything. But, but the audio guide was more, I guess, formal information, dates and facts and things. And the tour guy or the the guy who was driving the boat, the driver, boat the, yeah, he the captain, the captain, he was just kind of chiming in with random other stuff. Like, there's the Waldorf Historia. It costs six hundred euro a night to stay there. Look, this is the skinniest door in the city. Yeah. He pointed that sort of stuff out, and we looked at it, and I went, "I'm never going to find that ever again." But yeah, exactly. It was it was definitely uh, definitely a worthwhile little trip. A couple of the things that that I did take away though was that you could see that the buildings were very crooked. Mm-hmm. Well, not all of the buildings, but some of the buildings had settled weird. The foundation below them had started to settle in weird weird ways, and so the buildings from the front view kind of zigzagged their way up to the top. So a lot of Amsterdam, much like Venice, there's supports underground because they took what was water at the time to make more yeah. clearly defined land spaces or whatever. And yep. so some of that wood is rotting now, it sounds like, yeah. from the from the tour. Well, it's been rotting. And yeah. it, so this wasn't a new this oh, isn't yeah, a new over, development. Over many, many, many years these because the the canal district is is very old. Yeah. So those buildings aren't aren't new by any means and so yeah. And not only are they zigzagging, but they were intentionally built 
to slant towards the canals themselves. So they slant outward. And it's, it's not super noticeable, but as they pointed out, then I looked around the city and I was like, yes, it's very obvious as I'm walking down the street that the building seems to be slanting out over top of me. Mm-hmm. And at the very top of each building, there were hooks out of the main beam that ran across the top of the, of, of the roof. So those hooks are designed and built into the roof so that you can hoist things up. You can run a, a cord through it and use it as a pulley system to pull up furniture and other large things that you can't get through the door because the doors are building materials narrow and you want to be able to get big things up there so they have fairly large windows that can help support moving things in that way so yeah it was interesting you never would have thought of it yeah so before we go on, I wanted to mention the other pass for Amsterdam. Is that okay? Oh, yeah, go ahead. So we didn't use this pass, so I can't necessarily endorse it. But we spent a lot of time comparing the Holland Pass to the I Amsterdam card. Oh, yeah. Which you pay for, and I can't remember the cost now. I think it was around the same 60 euro or so. You pay for the card, and then there's a whole list of things you can do for free, including... All of the trams and buses in Metro are free then. And I think that one you pay for a certain number of days. So you get like a five-day Amsterdam card, and then you can ride all the trams. You can go to all the oh, all these yeah. museums. But the problem for us was that some of the main, main museums, like Heineken and Rijksmuseum, weren't included. And we knew we wanted to do those things, so it kind of felt like, you know, a, it was a balancing act. Are we just going to pay right. for those plus the Amsterdam card? Or should we just get the Holland Pass where we know all of those tickets are going to go to use? Yeah. So if you're going to be in Amsterdam and wanting to do like five tourist attractions per day, I feel like that would be a really good value. Yeah. But we mostly just did, I guess, the bigger attractions. Yep. And Ian Frankhouse is like in its own world because they don't, they're not on either of those cards. But it wasn't too expensive, like nine euro to go there, but... So after the boat tour, we ended up going to the red light district for an early evening trip to the prostitution museum, Yep, which was something that had not been on either of our radars, but because of the Holland pass Mm -hmm. that we purchased, we used one of our silver tickets. We looked through the list of things and we kept reading through the list and, and this one popped out as the most uh, fascinating of the options Uh, that we could get to that day. And so he said, I'm not sure exactly what to expect here, but why not? Let's go check it out. And it was a in-depth view or look into the life of what the prostitutes who work in the red light district go through on a daily basis. It wasn't incredibly graphic, but uh, I think the, the interesting thing was that you walked in and as you were going through the museum, they showed the kind of back, um, where the well, pimp, it was an actual where, brothel, so there, yeah, you got it, to actually walk wasn't, in the... It was yeah, retired brothel space. Yeah, so you got to walk in the area where the girls would sit or stand in but front right of before the that, windows. But before that, there was the room where it was, they had the cameras set up, and they could see people walking in and out. And so the, there was... I don't know if it was where the their pimp worked or... Yeah. Okay. Yep. So... They showed that office space, which mm-hmm. was behind the scenes, and then they showed the window where the girls sat. This, the, the interesting thing was that it was actually the windows that looks on the main, looks out onto the main yeah. red light district 
uh, canal. And so people were still walking by these windows and there were chairs there for you to be able to sit down and see what it was like to have people walk by and, and look at you. And I didn't take advantage of that. You know, I didn't want to hold up the line. There were several other people walking in and out. Uh, I knew I would draw a lot of attention. So I just, you didn't want to make it uncomfortable for anyone else on the tour. But from there, then you got to walk into a space that was set up for an act as an, as the actual room where, uh, the dirty deed happens. That was a very, uh, unique tour. And one of the, the most interesting facts that I think I took away from it was that 15,000 people a day will walk in front of uh, a prostitute's window in the red light district, which to me just says there are a lot of people walking around. Randomly walking around. In, in that area of town or in, in Amsterdam in general. And as we walked outside, I definitely believed it because there were that, that whole district was super packed. There were tons and tons of people there. Yeah. Yeah, but I think just in general, though, as we walked around Amsterdam, we felt like there were more people walking around or biking than basically anywhere else that we've been in the United States or anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I think if we lived like Manhattan, New York, sure, we it wouldn't have felt so weird, but because of where we live and. But, I mean, also compared to other places we've traveled, which aren't necessarily small cities, it felt very busy. Well, think about when we went... I'm thinking about London. I mean, comparing Amsterdam to London or to to New York City doesn't seem like the amount of foot traffic would be comparable. But I feel like it really was. And maybe we were just in highly populated parts of the city, but it seemed like every street we turned down... There were tons of people yeah. walking or biking at all times of the day. So Yeah, and Amsterdam is a big biking city, but sure. I was more surprised by that. Like that, I wasn't as surprised by it because I, right. I knew that. But I think the, the foot traffic really surprised me. And I think a lot of the foot traffic was probably tourists, but it wasn't always in like the, the touristy part of town, I guess. Right, yep. So, but yeah, it was, it was crazy busy. Super crazy busy. Also, on a side note, I was terrified of riding a bike in Amsterdam because there's like <laughs> special lanes and special rules for riding a bike in Amsterdam. There were a lot of rules. That and then there's like the cars and then there's trams and then there's the bike lanes and then you can have motorbike or like scooters in the bike lanes. And at then one <laughs> restaurant, the first restaurant we sat down at, we looked out the window and there was literally... People walking by, biking by, driving by, riding a tram by, and riding a boat by. Down the canal, yeah. And, <laughs> and then you have and the see boat traffic. All of this just out the window. It was amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. I, it's an engineering feat, I'm sure, yeah. to keep all that running smoothly. Because there those are city planners. There are bridges in, in Amsterdam where you have to, like bridges that have to be raised for certain boats to go through. Yep. And so then you're stopping all of the other modes of transportation for the boat. Right. Which is insane when you think about all the different canals that are there and the number of places that can that, stop that happens at. traffic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was the end of day two. And then day three happened, which was by far the fullest. Craziest day. Craziest day of our, not crazy, but just full, mm-hmm. just packed full of activities. There was no more room for activities <laughs> on day three. 
We started very early for us, clear at the crack of dawn, 8.30, I think is when dawn happens. Well, we had to be there at 8.30, though. So. Oh, that's right. We did yeah, have to get up so and start walking real early. We I did think we leave left our, at like 7.30. 7.30 we left, and we headed to the Anne Frank house, Yep. which I had been to several years ago on a study abroad trip. This time when we went back, they had redone a few things in regards to how they conveyed information. And I think they had gotten rid of a lot of plaques that had stuff written on them. They had really streamlined it so that there was more space for people to walk. And they had a really well done audio guide tour set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the audio tour was great. And a lot of fascinating things that we learned about uh, her life and her family's life. And... um just a really well done tour. But as an FYI, if you're looking to go there, they hate backpacks. So just try to well, avoid bringing it. Yeah, big backpacks. If it possible. I had mine, but they made me wear it on the front of my body. The other thing I was going to say that they that if you want to go there is you should book tickets like super in advance. Uh, because yep. we looked to get tickets like, I don't know, three or four weeks before we left. And, and the only, time, the that was only time available was on this specific day at, at 8.30. And every other day that we were in town, it was completely full. And you actually, you can go, like, you can show up at, like, 3 o'clock or something in the afternoon. For a walk-in. And do, like, essentially a walk-in tour. But I think you still have to show up and get another time and then come back yep. later in the day. But, like I said, that's kind of separate from a lot of the other touristy things because it's run by its own foundation. And... I mean, we were the first group in, and I still felt like it was kind of busy in there. You say the foot traffic's improved. But, you know, it's the original building where the family actually hid. And so... Right. And the space that they were hiding in... Tiny, tiny stairwells. Yeah. And the space they were hidden in was a hiding place. Like, it wasn't this... It wasn't a mansion, yeah. This this awesome, huge space. We did, however, comment that it did feel a lot larger than you would imagine a hiding Mm -hmm. space being. All things considered, for that time period, number one, and number two, for it being a hiding place, it was for their circumstances. Yeah, it definitely was a lot bigger than I would have imagined it being. Yeah. That said, as long as they spent there, and as many people as were in there, I'm sure... It felt cramped. Yeah, I'm sure that it felt cramped. It's been a couple of decades since I read Anne Frank's diary, but... um, Makes me want to go back and, and read it. Yeah, it does make you want to go back and reread it, especially, you know, I think I read it when I was 10 or 11. And my right. 10 or 11-year-old self was kind of annoyed with, with Anne's first teenage ramblings. <laughs> I, like, I didn't have the capacity, like, to understand the, the larger situation, I, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a must-see. It's just, like, if you're going to Amsterdam, if you have any interest at all in World War II or anything like that, then... It's just a little piece of history. Yep. But after that, we left and we were hungry and Kayla spotted a pancake shop. What was the name of that place? Amsterdam Pancakes or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if it was a chain or or what. It was just we were hungry and it was the first thing I saw. First thing thing that we saw and it was lovely. We had uh, apple and bacon pancake and a lemon and sugar pancake these are dutch style and they were delicious yeah so dutch pancakes are the size of a pizza and a little bit thinner than american pancakes i would say or a little bit thicker 
than a crepe. Yeah. So if you're familiar with those, yeah. now you have your uh, scale by which to determine whether or not you have a Dutch pancake in front of you next time you There's sit down There's a lot of savory options as well as a lot of sweet options. So we decided to try one of each. Yep. Very, very good stop. And from there, we had enough energy then to head on to Rijks Museum, which had a lot Indeed. of old art, paintings, and sculptures. And there was also some metal work, some jewelry, but then there were also plates and vases oh, like and dishes and dishes things. and you oh, name I see. It. yeah there were a lot of different components but i think the the big hitters there they've got a couple of van gogh pieces which is so funny to me because the van gogh museum's like literally right next stones throw away the biggest thing there is rembrandt or at least that's what i thought the most impressive uh, it was there there were some really impressive pieces that he did it was really cool to see the different pieces and to see the history, especially the, the parts that they had related to some of the wars that were fought in the area. They Not only did they have the paintings there, but they had what looked like original weapons from the time period and some portraits of Napoleon with weapons next to him as well. So it was a very complete, very full museum and it was a lot of fun to go explore. We did not do the audio tour, which you could do. Probably every third painting or so had an audio guide. You'd just type in the number and then you could listen along to to information about the, the piece of art. But instead, at all of the major art pieces, they had what kind of looked like a placemat, like oh, placemat yeah. size kind of laminated cards that described the painting in greater detail and then it would have like highlighted parts to like point out different aspects so like oh look at the dress of this woman like this is why it's significant and so pretty much everywhere I saw one of those I picked it up and I I read through those and so that really helped me focus in on okay this is a more significant piece here at the art museum because when I'm looking at two paintings I don't necessarily know which one's more important but Rembrandt is there Vermeer? Possibly the coolest part of Reich's museum, though, is this really cool tunnel that goes underneath the museum. Oh yeah! So we walked through that almost every day, getting oh, to and from places. It's a road, but you, cars weren't allowed in there, but bikes could, and there were sidewalks as well. And the but acoustic, the acoustics are yes, really cool, and acoustics. so there's all, every time we walked through, there's um, an orchestra playing, and I was just looking up online. To see if I was forgetting any, you know, big, big artists that were in there. And they said that, you know, there's always someone playing street music. What was amazing about the acoustics was that it took this six-person group. Mm -hmm. There were some accordions in there and things. But it felt like it was... Like a full orchestra. A full orchestra. The sound was just amazing. And it's beautiful. It's just this really... You have to walk through it. So, we are still on... Day three, yes, there's it's more true. that happened. After Reich's Museum, we went and Kayla took a nap, and I went and yeah, did We were going to do the Van Gogh Museum, but we kind of petered we out in petered art, out. art We knew arena. we had more to do, so we didn't want to just run through Van Gogh and feel like we didn't get to fully experience it. So we went back to the hotel. Kayla took a nap. I did some work, and then we got up. Kayla got from her nap and we went to dinner at a place called The Pantry, 
where yep. drum roll more bitterballin it was delicious yeah so let's eat more bitterballin and we also had these like goat cheese deep fat fried oh yes ball stick things i don't, I don't know exactly but they were essentially bitterballin but they had goat cheese inside instead of um, was that the one that i said no not that's not the one that I said tasted like a mini bite-sized grilled cheese sandwich. No, no, no. This tasted just like the most delicious cheese I've that's ever, right. ever, ever had. And so we were like fighting over the last one. I think we ended up splitting it in half. We did. Kayla was very generous <laughs> and allowed me to. <laughs> but eat um, the pantry. The I mean, it's it's one of the most highly rated restaurants in Amsterdam, specifically for Dutch food. And so we were very lucky we got in because. We didn't we, make any dinner again, res- reservations on this trip. Once again, we did not make dinner reservations, and we were able to to go eat there. So, yeah, so very good high, dinner. Highly recommend. Although I ordered the ham, and what I got was like <laughs> half a pig. It was like bone in this like giant hunk of meat that was like propped up so that like the bone was sticking out. It was, it was insane. A massive amount of meat. Yeah. I did not eat it all. Kayla didn't eat it all. And I was full from bitterball, and so I didn't get to help her with that. What did you have there? I had a lot of potatoes. And sausage. And the sausage. And the potatoes all had, there were, I got the sampler potato plate. So mashed potatoes with. Different things inside. Different things inside. One had carrots, one had kale, and one had Hmm. something else. It was all delicious. I don't remember. Yeah. It was all very good. But from there, we ate until we had enough energy to go do an escape room. We did. We had done an escape room before in... Budapest. And we thoroughly enjoyed it. And so we said we should... Kayla suggested possibly doing an escape room. And so I found one online and it was called... The Jungle. The Jungle. Now that we show up to the escape room, the person asks if we know what it is. And we do because we've done one before. But in case you haven't experienced an escape room before, the premise is you are locked, quote unquote, in a room and must escape. And then there are clues to help you figure out how to get out of the room because usually it involves either unlocking a door or finding a combination or any number of tasks that are can be related to math or puzzles or trivia Kind of. Yeah, it can be all sorts of, of strangeness. But our, the one we went to was a little d- different. You weren't actually trying to get out of the room. You were trying to Correct. disarm a bomb. Because you were in the jungle. And there was a bomb that was going to go off. Because you were in the jungle. I guess that makes more sense than trying to escape out a door inside the jungle. Yes. Sure. I mean, the it didn't really, was it didn't really matter because either way you were just... I felt like maybe they were trying to set it up as if we were in a Terminator movie, but because of copyright issues, they couldn't say Terminator. And so they just put a bomb in the jungle and said, people will get it or they won't and it'll be fine. I don't understand what that has to do with Terminator, but... Exactly. It's okay. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Not Terminator. Predator. Excuse me. Oh, Predator. That clarifies things for me. Kayla's shaking her head. She does not understand pop culture. We get in there and the clues start unfolding. We knew exactly what we had to do. We went 
Yeah. We went straight to work and pulled clues from everywhere and got stuck a couple of times. But yeah, we, we did a little right bit of a slow to, start, and then we like figured it. We, then we thought we had it figured out. And we got right down to the end, and there were five minutes left. And we said, okay, great, we have to open this last thing. We opened it up, and then there was a final puzzle. And we, we were, could not figure out we this couldn't last figure thing. It, out. It, it was just, I think we would have figured it out, but we had, we, we had five I, minutes left. And so we got very, very stressed at the very last minute, at the, la- at the last five minutes and kind of rushed a little bit. Well, and the other thing was we had missed one clue that we needed at the very end to solve that puzzle that we should have found like 20 minutes or 30 minutes beforehand. And up until that point, we, we knew we had other clues that we needed help with future things and we'd used all of them up. So we're sitting here looking at this last box, like we have no idea what we're supposed to do with this. So in this particular space, there are cameras watching the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, the guy who is the game master is watching the room to be able to chime in and say, Oh, maybe you should try closer to that tree with the monkey in it or whatever the scenario is. Right. To help keep you on track so that you don't get frustrated and say, this is awful, I want out of here. Yeah. And to make you feel more comfortable that you aren't just, especially for rooms that you're quote unquote locked into, there's somebody there to reassure you, it's okay, we'll let you out if you can't figure it out. You know, there's, right. there's time. So it was in the last five minutes that he chimed in and said, oh, here's a little hint. Go, you might want to go back to go, <laughs> something you already looked at. Go back over here at. and check this out. And so we, we did, and then we got it with, I don't know, 20 seconds left on the clock. So we did get out. Uh, we needed a little help. Not as well as, yeah, the last one we did, we, we well, we did two when we were in Budapest. Yeah. The first one we had to get a clue for, but the second one I think we did it all by ourselves. But it's super fun. I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily related to Amsterdam specifically, but Correct. when you're on vacation, especially, you know, where we live, we'd have to drive a little bit to get to an escape room. And so it's not just something that's like in your backyard, or even if it is, you can only solve so many things before you're, you've already done all all the the ones in your city. And so it was, it was a fun thing to do. And Silas gets really into it. He's like, oh my gosh, so we have this clue. Now we have to do this other thing. And now we have to do this. And I'm just kind of like along for the ride, even though I am helping. Um, But Silas gets very into it. I'm a very competitive person. Yeah. This one in particular had this like, not really a logic puzzle, but it was like, it was like a common sense thing and we could not figure it out. Like it was one of those things where it's like, which one of these doesn't belong? And, and then it showed you a bunch of images and we still don't know why the we just correct started, answer didn't belong. We but, just started guessing and eventually yeah. the box opened. So, yeah. But from there, we ended up heading out for the evening um, it wasn't super late evening, but we did go to the red light district for a few drinks and we people watched because there were thousands of people yeah, walking the street and it was uh, a spectacle that we knew we needed to uh, witness at least once while we were in Amsterdam. So we ended the night and moved right on to day four, which was our day trip. Yeah. We got out of the city, but before we did that, we walked through Vondel Park again, and we watched. We didn't realize that we were signing up to be in Amsterdam during this event, but we were there during the uh, Amsterdam Pride Parade and event, and it was awesome. I mean, Amsterdam is arguably the most, or at least one of the most liberal cities in the world, 
in terms of social policy. And so you can imagine their pride event is like pretty, really well done. Pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, at one point the Amsterdam gay choir goes by and then we're walking and the, the Amsterdam gay choir goes by and I was like, Oh my gosh, Amsterdam has so many gay choirs. This is awesome. Yeah. There were, uh, there were a ton, a ton of people watching the parade and then just as many, if not more people in the parade, which was really, really cool to see. Yeah. Uh, we, we, as we were watching the parade go by, we went, oh, well, that was, I, I, I turned to Kay and like, well, that was a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be. Nope, there was just a gap between mm-hmm. people. They had kind of got spread out a little bit. And then we watched twice as many people walk by again, and it just kept doing that. And so I think right. the whole parade was. I don't even know if we saw the end of the parade. I don't know if we did either. <laughs> we, we, uh, we knew we had to make it to our train. And so we got to the train station and we went to a town called Harlem, which is about 20 minutes away on the train. Yeah, it's really close. Really, really close. I would call this suburb, but we actually left town for a while before we got there. Yes. But the reason we ended up going to Harlem was based off of a recommendation from our friend Gareth, who we went to his wedding. And not only did... He recommended it, but his dad recommended it, and his grandpa recommended it. Like, all and separately, on separate occasions, told us that we had to go to Harlem. Oh, you're going to Amsterdam? Well, then you need to go to Harlem. And they, they were all so persistent that we said, fine, we have, we have to go now. Yeah. And I'm really glad that we did. It was a, a lovely town, and it was, it was a nice change of pace from Amsterdam because there were so many people in Amsterdam, and it just wasn't as highly populated in Harlem being a much smaller town. Yeah, but it's a lot the same in that there's there's still canals in Harlem, a lot of the same architecture. If we were going to get a bike in the Netherlands, I would have biked Harlem over oh, Amsterdam sure. just because there was a lot less biking traffic, and it was very walkable. But the coolest thing about Harlem that we never saw in Amsterdam was that they had windmills. Yeah. Which is like this, you know, this like quintessential Dutch thing piece. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to do that. We went into the church there. Yeah. Which was massive and... Had a lot of history tied up in it. We didn't, as we, we said, oh, well, we, we also scheduled massages. And so we went to yeah. lunch and we were going to go get a massage. And we said, well, before we go there, let's go into the church. Churches usually don't you don't need to take a lot of time because they're all mostly set up the same and as we got in there were lots of little places to stop and read things that i hadn't seen before in a lot of the churches that i've been in throughout europe they had like set that church up as as a a tourist spot so you get a pamphlet with information and like points of interest if we went back i would go in there to spend more time yeah, we rushed through it a little too fast. They also have walking tours at that church, like at, oh, yeah. I think at two o'clock or something. And so that would have been really cool if we would have timed it right yep. to to see that. And it was like, I don't know, two euro to get in. It was cheap. Yep. Some really cool pieces of history in there. The other thing is the plaza right outside the church has a really great market. And so we got to walk through there. There was a lot of great like street food there. It would be a cheap place to grab lunch or something like that yep. or breakfast. They had things like waffles and fish sandwiches and normal market farmer market things. type stuff yeah. as well. But that area of town was just very vibrant, though. 
Like even oh, though yeah. we were in kind of what I would call not a tourist area, it was there were people everywhere. All the restaurants had tables outside. Everyone was looking in at the the market and checking out and people watching. So it was, it was really very fun. very cool, very fun city to be in. And after lunch, where I had more bitterballen, which so was did have more bitterballen delicious, there. and it was just as delicious in Harlem as it was in in, in Amsterdam. Did and you think they were going to be different? I wasn't sure. I just wanted to see if, if it changed by, by city or by restaurant. And for the most part, it stayed very delicious at each place that I had it. So after lunch and then the church, we went to get our massages. But after that, we ended up walking around a little bit more. We walked out to the windmill like Kayla had mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And then we decided it was time for dinner. And mm-hmm. we walked across town to... Jogenkirk. I'm not sure that I'm pronouncing it right. Could that sounds good to me, which was a church initially and then was converted into a brew house. Yep. And it was an awesome atmosphere. As we walked in, it had to be the place to be after work on Friday or well, Saturday. Saturday. I guess Saturday evening. Saturday evening. Yeah. Was, it was the place to be because it was packed and we went in and we couldn't see a place to sit. And then we saw that there was an upstairs. So we went up there and they said, oh, no, this whole area is already reserved. Yeah, reservation only. So sorry, you can't sit up here. So we went back down and I said, we are eating here tonight. (laughs) Kayla didn't know this. It was too noisy for her to hear me. And I also thought it in my head. And so (laughs) we we were standing there and I said, we're going to eat here tonight. And I watched as I watched and waited. And then some people hopped up and I immediately ran over and sat down and took their spot. Yeah, I mean, it was so crowded, but it's also like a very European restaurant in that like or bar in that it's like long bench seating, basically. So it's like one table could have like six people sitting at it in like separate groups or one table could have like probably 20 people sitting at it if you all knew each other and were comfortable. Yeah. And so but this table just happened. It was like three groups of two. And so the two from the middle left. And so we like snuck in there. But it was fun because since it was such a long table, we sat down and we got our food ordered and then another group of guys came and sat down next to us. us. And then we ended up having a really nice conversation with them about Netherlands and our experience in in Amsterdam and things that we should do and that we should try. They were making fun of how in the U.S. you have to wear a helmet on your bicycle. They said, we can always tell who the tourists are because they're wearing helmets while they're riding their bicycles. And we said, yeah. Yeah. We we don't have biking lanes here in some places, so it's kind of necessary. Yeah, very necessary indeed. It was just interesting. We got asked them a bunch of questions, um, and they asked us questions too, and we always enjoy that kind of conversation where we get to explore each other's culture, and um, so we really appreciated that. Yep. And then they gave us a ton of suggestions for other things to do. Yeah. They like wanted us to see all of Holland before we left. Yeah, they're like, well, you can just you can just stay longer. And if if you if you miss the midnight train, then you can uh, take, take a, a taxi back. Back to back to Amsterdam. And if you if you miss your flight, then you can just hang out here longer. So uh, yeah. apparently we made a good impression uh because they weren't asking us to hop on the next flight, they were asking us to miss our next flight. So but that basically rounded out day 4. We headed back after dinner and got off the train and went back to the wine bar that was just down the block from our hotel. So we, we yeah. went basically back to our hotel, but 
nothing too crazy and sat there and had a nice conversation and checked Facebook on, on the Wi-Fi and, the important and things. tried a few different wines. Had, just had a, like, a relax then we day. went back and watched a few episodes of Full House and went to bed. Day five was uh, a very quiet day for us. We didn't want to try and do too much because we had to fly the next day. And our last day before flying usually is a little bit quieter and not as action-packed. And I always try to plan nothing for the last day in a city because there's inevitably something that kind of gets missed Yep. in the busyness of the days you do plan. And so in this case, it was the Van Gogh Museum. We had planned to go on uh, Friday and had missed it. And so we felt like that was the kind of, I guess, the important thing to do that day. And we had one more silver ticket left that we were trying to figure out what to do with as well. However, I woke up not feeling very well. And so we only did the Van Gogh Museum. Yep, we did the Van Gogh Museum. He, He had a very interesting life. He was a very interesting guy who... Uh, I mean, I I knew some things about Van Gogh, but being able to walk through the museum, they had set it up to share his life in a very specific way and to be able to see his artwork as you were learning about his life, which mm-hmm. was which was really cool. I didn't realize that he and his brother had such a close relationship and that yeah. his brother basically gave him an allowance. <laughs> they both started off as art dealers and then Van Gogh was like, well, I, I want to try my hand at this. And th- then just became amazing. And his brother was like, I believe in your artwork. And so here's here's an allowance. You can keep doing art for basically 10 years. He yeah, I think it was money. 10 years. And then after Van Gogh died, uh, all the artwork went to his brother, who died like crazily like six months later. And then um, it was his brother's wife who was is basically the reason Van Gogh's famous today. And she was the one who, like, created the foundation that started the museum in Amsterdam. Like, it's just this really interesting story. Because, I mean, yeah. you always hear, like, oh, artists don't get recognized until after they're dead, that kind of a thing. And in this case, it's like this very clear set of events that led to him um, rising in fame and... In, in the last in the last year or so of his life, he there was a point where he went off to a place and did seventy five paintings in seventy five days or some yeah. ridiculous yeah. thing. But he was also having a mental breakdown at that point yeah. as well. I mean, it's clear from the accounts that he was very sick. Yes. However, the one thing I learned at the museum, I think most people know that he cut off his ear. Yes. Um, at some point. In, his life I didn't catch. Well, maybe most people know. Sorry. Maybe most people know. I don't know. That's like, I feel Spoiler like... Spoiler alert. The one... Van Gogh cuts off his ear. The, the most interesting, I guess, factoid about his life is that he personally cut off his own ear. Um, but knowing that makes you think that he was this like super impulsive and kind of irrational, emotional person. However, there is a lot of evidence that he was very strategic and careful in planning... Uh, and planning out a lot of his work. And I think he probably got sicker over time and things that led to towards the end of his life that led to kind of the more emotional actions got worse. Yeah, so I think you just, if you only know that he cut his own ear off, you just think he's this kind of emotional and irrational person. Yep. Well, there kind of is another side to him and they have, um, they've saved all the letters between him and his brother 
Um, and they, have correspondence with some of his other friends as well. But um, the letters between him and his brother show kind of a different side of him. They were really good friends. And, and he was not very close with the rest of his family, who kind of looked down on him, I think, for being so artistic. Yep. Yep. He was a, a fascinating guy who had a fascinating life. And it was... I feel like that's another must-see in Amsterdam. Oh, absolutely. And Frank Van Gogh. Must sees. Must sees. I liked everything that we did in Amsterdam, actually. Yeah, it was a very fun trip. After Van Gogh, we ended up going to get more pancakes because I said, I must have pancakes. That was another must see for me was eating pancakes. Well, but I didn't get pancakes. I got, remember, I didn't feel very good this day. Oh, yes. You got these spicy salsa. I got (laughs) spicy salsa with tortilla chips, which was... Not spicy. It was almost which was, like tomato paste. Well, <laughs> it, it tasted fine, but it tasted like when I go to the store and get like the generic brand of mild salsa. Um, I, and so was, it, was, it was fine. And then also get with guacamole, which as far as I could tell was literally only avocado mashed up. Like I don't think there were any other things in there. There was no salt. No salt, no lime juice, maybe maybe a little lime juice. a teaspoon of lime juice for every 500 avocados they mashed up. Yeah, it was pretty sad guacamole. But to be fair, that's exactly what I expected I would get in Europe. Yeah. Because we've literally never had good barbecue or good Mexican food in Europe. Just not something that's part of their normal cuisine. Which is sad because tacos are literally my favorite food. And I made tacos last night. Like within within two hours of arriving back to our apartment, I had already cooked tacos. Yes. So after pancakes, which I decided I needed because I'm an adult to get the pancake with whipped topping and chocolate and caramel sauce and ice cream for lunch but only because i'm an adult and i knew that i needed it and (laughs) uh kayla had her my chips her chips but as the evening approached it was dinner time and we just walked across the street where i got one last helping of bitterballin you did i was very excited about it and also a little sad because I knew that I'd be coming back to a place where, where Bitterballin was no longer on the menu of every restaurant we would go to. What's on the inside of Bitterballin? It is a roux, which is... A thick, roux is a thickener for sauces and soups, flour and butter. So Bitterballin, a Dutch meat-based snack typically containing a mixture of beef or veal, minced or chopped, Beef broth, butter, flour for thickening, parsley, salt, and pepper, resulting in a thick roux. Most recipes including nutmeg. Uh, most recipes include nutmeg, and there are also variations utilizing curry powder. So there are lots of different things that you can do with it, but all of I them were the tasty. I thought the consistency was like um like a hummus almost. Sure. Yeah. It was pretty close to that. To give. Everyone else, but then it's breaded and deep fat fried. So there's like a crunchy outside. So there's like a deliciousness to it that just can't, can't get without deep fat frying. You it. can't get anywhere but the Netherlands. So other than the pancakes and the bitter ball in, 
I mean, Dutch cuisine seemed to primarily be like kind of meat and potato yeah. based. Something that we're very familiar with living yeah. in the Midwest. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Overall, it was a fantastic trip. We both had a lot of fun. Can I ask you a question before we're done? Yes. What was your favorite thing that we did in Amsterdam? Favorite thing in Amsterdam would have to be, I would say, the Heineken Museum. Uh, hold on. No. My favorite thing that we did was eat Bitterballen. Okay. My second Fair. favorite thing was the day trip to Harlem. Harlem. And my third favorite thing was the Heineken Museum. Fair enough. So those are, those are my favorite things. What about you? Although I'm not really a history buff, I always enjoy the more historical parts of travel. Like sure. Any, like the week before it was Stonehenge and the Roman baths and um, the St. Saint, Saint Fagans Museum in Wales. And this week I think it was, and like I said, Anne Frank and Van Gogh I think are kind of two, like if you're in Amsterdam, you have to do that. Yeah. Um, but I also really, really liked the escape room. That was probably the most fun part i guess but that that's was, that's not Amsterdam specific so it's kind of an unfair that's what i was i was i wanted to say that uh but as far as amsterdam specific things right but yes the escape room was a lot of fun but that's just me being competitive and three for three on getting out of escape rooms so far so but good record but one for three without having to have help from the oh the first oh yeah the yeah we had help the on first, one first one we had one. the very first time we had a lot of help and then this this one we had just a few clues and uh it just depends i think we need to go to more rooms so we can get better at it yeah it's kind of hard because you're in there like wait what were these people thinking when they put these clues together (laughs) but you eventually you eventually figure out what the heck is going on next week we have a fun episode with a couple of our friends that we did as an interview of them about taking road trips they are avid road trippers and have some funny stories and advice that they're ready to share with you they've logged some serious miles absolutely but that's our show as always we ask that you leave any questions you have in the comments section below or if you have a specific question feel free to email us directly or connect with us on social media our email address is kayla and silas at gmail.com or you can follow us on facebook twitter instagram and pinterest by searching kayla and silas once again i'm kayla And I'm Silas, wishing you luck on your upcoming adventures.